Hey, good morning, everybody. Hope everybody's well. Happy Tuesday for those of you who are live. Happy whatever day we could just do. Thanks so much for joining us on the boost. Really appreciate it. An honor for the an honor for us that we're doing this together. Yesterday we spoke about the, the power of negativity. And and the reason why this happens, if we just talk it through a little bit, is because we're built to be this way. And I want to I want to explain a little bit why negativity is so common. There's nothing wrong with you. There's something right with you. If we hold on to things that threaten us, if we replay conversations of people that make us intimidated or disappoint us, mostly, not always, but mostly that's in line with how we were created. Remember, we have a body and a soul. The body is built to survive. The soul's built, the soul's built to be great. But remember that it's not natural to go to your soul. You have to work that. It's natural to go to your body. It's natural to be comfortable. It's natural to like sleeping. You know, this is a great thing that all kids ask at some point in their lives. This is like the kid question. Why does salad have to taste bad? No, I don't think it tastes bad, but you have to develop a taste for salad. You don't have to develop a taste for chocolate. So how come when you're plowing down donuts, no one's like, wow, this is an acquired taste. Donuts are not an acquired taste. You're built with the taste for donuts, for ice cream. So that's not fair. Why can't we love the taste of broccoli and like sort of acquire the taste of sugar? Why is the stuff that we don't like healthy, so to speak, and stuff that we all naturally like not healthy? Because that's how the world works. It's body and soul. There's physical reasons for it, but conceptually, it's body and soul. It's how God runs the world. He can make your body grow muscle by laying on the couch. You don't have to work it out. Yeah, you do. It's body and soul. Greatness requires effort. In everything. That's how God made the world. So things that are natural to us doesn't mean they're best for us. A lot of things that are natural to us are are just our way of maintaining the control of the body over our soul. So our bodies, the mind that we have that's designed to keep our bodies alive is programmed to focus on things more than others. And the top of that list is survival. And survival doesn't just mean life and death. It can be social acceptance as part of survival, which is why when we do things that exposes other people, it makes us so nervous. It could be career connected. When we are around things and people that threaten us, or that make us feel embarrassed or that disappoint us. Okay, sometimes it's not. But many times our brains are naturally inclined to focus on that and to obsess over that because that's what threatens us. And if your brain is a body machine, it doesn't need to focus on things to make us great because 
That doesn't keep you alive. That's gravy. Keeping you alive is focusing on things that are dangerous, that are upsetting. Because if you focus on that, that's where the threat's at. If you're, if you're walking in a forest, and on one side is a wise man giving you wisdom for life, and on the other side is a tiger, your brain's like, yeah, the tiger. No, I get it. I understand that. I love it. It's deep and wise. The tiger. You're going to die. Your brain doesn't know unless it's geared and trained to say, whoa, whoa, relax. That's not a tiger. That's your buddy. He's not laughing at you. And you're, you're a big boy. You'll handle it. Listen to the wise man to the right. That's not a tiger. That's someone who's insecure, giving you a line. Just listen to the wise man. But if you look over and see a tiger, all you're thinking about all day is the tiger. When you are, when we are dealing with threats, negativity that's coming at us, remember social acceptance is part of survival. When we're dealing with these things, naturally, naturally, they will obsess, we will obsess over it more because that's what keeps us alive, so to speak. That's what keeps us connected and accepted. And talking about things about greatness and positivity, empowerment, that gets pushed to the side. You can be having the greatest conversation in the world. You go off and make the wrong turn. You're in a neighbor that you don't like to be in. You get off the phone. You got to figure it out because your brain doesn't have any more room when it feels threatened. So we are programmed. Default settings. To handle negativity by obsessing over negativity. We are programmed to come down from the presentation, to come down from the party and have 20, 100 compliments with God's help. And if God forbid there's one bit of criticism, we are focused on the criticism. I told you the story here, but broke my heart. Watched it. There's a woman family that we know that, you know, there's a certain, like, um, every community that you live in, there's a certain standard for um, life cycle events, right? That's how it works, right? You, you live in a certain community, and it's this standard. A bar mitzvah, a bris, a wedding, depending what it is. You know, obviously, the different sizes, whatever, graduations. So wherever you go, there's a circle. And if you're just paying attention, in that circle, there's a range. In this particular circle of people, a wedding looks like this, and then it ranges to this. And there's always those people, God bless them, who always have to be above the range. Like whatever the normal thing people do, they do more. I'm not judging, I'm just saying. It's how it is. COVID shuts the world down. Lots of kids get bar and bat mitzvahed, weddings. There's a standard, what takes place in the backyard. And there's always that group that says, whoa, 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 and they take it up. Again, it just is. 
so we went to one of those life cycle events. I try to, I try to stay a little as ambiguous as possible, just in case. I just want you to get the lesson of it. I don't want the pre people to connect back. We went to this life cycle event. And the person stepped up. So they were, it was the fanciest from whatever the group was. And I know from just observing just how important it was to the, to the mom in specific, to the wife, the matriarch, whatever. So everyone lines up to say how beautiful it is and how beautiful she looks and how everything is perfect. And there's like a line. And I was there and two people in front of me was another lady who I think also likes to be at the top. She said, it was so beautiful, but the centerpieces, I don't know, they, they didn't really go. I don't know if you saw they were, they died. He, and she like makes this negative comment about the centerpieces. And I'm listening to it because she's two people in front of me. And I'm just waiting. Me and my wife are waiting to tell her and her husband how beautiful everything is. I could watch the, the color drain out of her face. The feeling of what? The centerpieces? Like this other person, I don't know if she did it on purpose. Let's assume she didn't. Like just commented, like everything is beautiful, but but you can see that but like and when we got to it, like you can see that she was bothered and it, it broke my heart. It broke my heart, but that's how we all are. Things are gorgeous. Above all, most fanciest of, of, of the group. And there's a hundred compliments. And even the one person who criticized, didn't criticize everything, criticized one thing. But that's what the brain focuses on. You can be living with somebody or working with somebody and they're, everything's good. And they say one thing, you never forget it. 20 compliments, one criticism, you never forget it. Why? Because the brain is looking for the negativity. And as long as you allow it to continue unabated, that's how it's going to be. Unless you're programmed. Again, not everyone has this. Some people are watching going, what are you talking about? Live and let live, man. Don't worry. Be happy, right? God bless you. Not everyone's like that. And if you're, if you hold on sometimes to things that aren't positive, if you... If you find yourself responding with negative, from negative with negative, if you find yourself judging people for the, to the negative, even if they didn't do anything wrong, what's happening is we're bringing it into our lives. It's sucking out our energy. I was just studying the Torah portion for the upcoming week. And there's a line that was so powerful. 
It's so subtle, but it's so powerful. It said that when Jacob left the place in which he slept, if you remember the story of Jacob's ladder, he, let, he went down to the ultimate place called Haran, Haran, I don't know how I say it in English, but where he married uh, um, Rachel and Leah, he started his family. It said that Jacob lifted his feet. And the commentator, Rashi, says, what does it mean he lifted his feet? Why would you write that? How else does somebody walk? Does the Torah have to say he lifted his feet? How else would one walk? And it says, no, no, he lifted it extra because God had revealed to himself in a dream and said, I'll protect you. And that made him feel excited. He lifted his heart. And when you lift your heart, your feet get lifted. Right? Positive energy. Excitement and enthusiasm lifts you. Your feet, the mechanism of actions change. You're a different person. The negative energy is drawing out of us. So how do we deal with it? So let's begin that conversation. There's two ways in which we go around the wall. Like we spoke about, under or above. You can't get through the wall. You go under it or you go above it. Under it is you get into the dirt. Under it is you understand it. Why do I feel negative for? How come it's bothering for? Why am I bothered by this person? Why am I holding on to it? You get under it. You try to figure it out. That's an approach. But I want to suggest another approach, which is you go above it. What does it mean to go above it? So if you remember we spoke about, I don't remember we did this here. We spoke about the, and we'll do a little bit today and then we'll continue on. We spoke about the idea of visualization. So here's how it works, just as a little recapture. It's in the book for those who are interested. There's a whole chapter on it. It's powerful. The mind operates through neuroplasticity, right? Which means thinking, thoughts create neuroconnections. But that means that you don't have to actually experience something for your brain to create a connection. You just have to think it. So if I go to a mountain and I see a mountain, my brain takes in the data of a mountain and it creates a connection. If I don't go to see a mountain, but I close my eyes and envision a mountain, my brain, so to speak, doesn't know it gets different sensory information but it doesn't really know that what it's experiencing is a vision of something again it won't be as rich as seeing it but thinking a mountain creates a connection seeing a mountain creates a connection i may have to think a mountain 10 times more to get the same level of connection But my brain doesn't say, that's not real. That's just imagination. To my brain, 
Thinking leads to new connections. It's not doing that leads to new connections. It's thinking. Now, experiencing something makes you think about it. Fine. But thinking about it can make you think about it too. And there's an enormous amount of research on this. We, we wrote about a lot of the book, like crazy stuff, like Cleveland Clinic, having people exercise in their minds and watching their muscles grow, even though they didn't actually move their muscles enough. They did a little bit, but not enough. Like bodybuilders in, in the former Soviet Union trainings for Olympics that had actual bodybuilding with visualization of bodybuilding versus people that just bodybuilt. So they both lifted the same amount of weights, but one group thought about it afterwards and envisioned lifting weights. Another group didn't. And this group, the, the visual vision and weights gained more muscle mass, like crazy stuff. Like stories of people practicing foul shots in their mind and increasing their foul shot capacity. Vision, that means picturing something, creates a reality that you don't have to actually sense and experience. Let's stop here. We're gonna get, we, I don't want to jump in yet. Let's talk about it tomorrow. God's help. It's just once I get started. No. All right, everybody. Have an amazing day. Think about this. We're going to talk about visualization with God's help tomorrow. But before then, I want you to think about the natural trigger of negativity. And how that is a body response to the world around us. And think about how we have to strategize together ways and the desire to strategize ways to somehow overwhelm the default system and have our soul and positivity trump it all. All right. Think about that today together. The more we, I think the more we recognize the dangers of negativity, the more we'll set up with God's help. What's positive, what's possible with visualization and responding to negativity, not with reality, but with imagination. Okay, we'll talk about it. Everybody have a great day with God's help. I can't wait to see you again tomorrow. Have a great day.